The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod. I'm coming to you live from the Warner Center in Woodland Hills, California. This is the home for Autism Live. It is also the home for the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. We're thrilled to be here with you on this Thursday morning. We're going to be with you live for the next two hours. And as always in a live show, things morph and change and things happen unexpected and otherwise. Uh, so we're going to be with you through all of that talking about autism from a 360 degree perspective no matter where you have walked into this circle that we call the autism community whether you're a parent a teacher a practitioner an individual who is on the autism spectrum themselves or i think the thing that most of us have in common is that we love someone who is on the autism spectrum yes uh, so all of us we have one thing in common we want for individuals on the spectrum uh, on the spectrum to be treated with the dignity and the respect that they deserve and to help to get the progress that they also deserve. So we want to make that possible without making it more difficult, right? Um, and that's why I say we look at it from a 360 degree perspective. Sometimes I'm a parent of uh, an individual who was diagnosed with autism at the age of two and a half and sometimes uh, what we need to do is provide support to the parents so that they can get the the resources and the services that will help their child. Sometimes we need to help the teen who's on the autism spectrum and needs a voice uh, and a place to, to find the answers that they're looking for. Sometimes it's the adult that we need to help them sort out what, are, what is that they want, what's meaningful to them in their life, and how to reach the goals that they have that are specific to them, that are not general. You see what I'm saying? It's not one size fits all. And yet the entire community has one thing in common. Let's get to the progress and to the resources and to the hope and the inspiration that everyone needs to lead their best life, whatever that may mean to that individual. So that's what we're about. We like for this show to be interactive. We love to hear your thoughts and your feelings and your concerns and your questions. Sometimes you just need to know that somebody's listening, right? And we're here. So Traven is already starting to show you some of the different ways that you can interact and be a part of the show and have your voice heard here. Our homepage is autism-live.com. And I, I love more and more of you are going to visit the new page now and going, whoa, this is so different, right? And I think better, but we'd love to hear from you, your thoughts and feelings about it. Um, the navigation of the page is vastly different and it is focused on you being able to find the information that you're looking for. If that's not how you perceive it, let us know because that's what the goal is, right? And if it's not happening, then we need to go back and rework it, right? Now, at the top of the, the new page, uh, when we're live, it'll say live and there's a little reddish-orange button there. 
Uh, and if it doesn't automatically pop up, if you click it, it should pop up um, for, for this to take up most of your screen. Uh, that doesn't mean that the live feature has gone away. Oh no, my friends. This is now located in the lower right corner and it says chat. And if you click on that, it opens up a box and you can type away and hit enter and it shows up here and you and I can have a conversation. And I do do love that. But of course, there are so many ways for you to have a conversation with us. A lot of you like to write on Facebook or YouTube. We're also on uh, Twitter and Periscope Live. And of course, we podcast to a variety of different places, including iTunes, where it's free. And you can choose when you do the iTunes. It's Thursday. My mouth isn't working. You can choose, excuse me, uh, when you go to the iTunes, whether you would like to download audio only so that you can be listening to us in the car. Yes, you can, you can, you can. Uh, or you can get the whole thing, the whole Megillah with picture and sound. And by the way, that's free to you. We've worked hard to ensure that there is no cost to viewers so that you can get the information that you need in whatever way that you can for free. If there is a way that you like to view things and listen to things and we are not on it, would you do me a favor and just talk to us in one of the different ways that we have and, and we will see about making it possible for us to be on that platform as well. And by the way, Traven, uh, who's so fabulous, can I just say, has just put up um, my email address. If you ever need to send something longer, because there is a length um, that you can't go past on the chat, although it's bigger than it used to be, there still is a length uh, limit. If you need to send a message, you can always email me at s.penrod at autism-live.com. That's s as in Sam dot P as in Peter, E as in egg, N as in Nancy, R as in robot, O as in Oscar, D as in dog, at autism, which I know you all know how to spell. Then there's the hyphen, which is the line in the middle, right? A dash. And then live, L as in lollipop, I as in igloo, V as in Victor, and E as in egg, dot com. Okay, so um, you can always email me there. I spell that out for those of you on iTunes because you've written to me and said, did you say, and it's always interesting to hear back phonetically what it sounds like I'm saying when I say my name. All right, I do like to remind you at the start of Thursday's show when I have time to that we have many experts who appear on the show. I'm not one of them. Let's be clear about that, right? I'm not confused about that and I don't want you to be confused about that. I am, as I said earlier, the mom of an individual who was diagnosed with autism at the age of two and a half, and I am super lucky. I'm super, super lucky that we, through miraculous circumstances, found out about good quality ABA. We found out about CARD, and we were able, because we were lucky, but also I'm going to take some ownership of the fact that we were persistent. We made up our minds that we were going, to, once we knew, we were going to do everything that we could. I was scared. If you think that I wasn't shaking in my shoes, I certainly was because I was like, oh, this is going to cost something and I know for sure I can't afford it, right? You know what I'm talking about. When people start talking about something and you're like, it ah, doesn't matter how much it is, I know I can't afford it. Um, but we persisted, right? And I want to send that message of hope to you that you can too. We started looking and saying, well, I don't think anybody can afford this, so how are other people doing this? And we found out how it was being funded because I couldn't have afforded it. And I know for sure that I don't know anybody who can afford the treatment that 
uh, a child with autism needs to go through in, in an intensive treatment, right? Um, but we got lucky and we persisted. And I think that those two things saved our lives along with some amazing people that I am so grateful for um, that I cry about it pretty much every day. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And I want to help you to be that level of lucky. I want to help you to get to the resources that you need to get to. I, I want to always say to you that your journey is going to look different than mine because it, it always will and it always would because we're talking about individuals. But I want to help you to find what it is that you're looking for. And it means a lot to me to be able to help you to find the resources that make it possible. So that's why I'm here, not to be an expert, but just to sort of hook up hope, maybe. Um, I, I'd like it if that was my job description, hook up hope. Uh, so that's, that's why I'm here. And that's why it's important to me. It's personal to me. I always say to you, let's hold hands. Si se puede. Um, I, I can't be the only person, and I'm not, but I, I don't want to be the only person that helps their child, right? I want to make sure that you get the opportunity to help your child or to help yourself or to help somebody that you love, right? That's what we're here about. So, but don't confuse me with an expert. Confuse me with someone who is enthusiastically in your corner because that would not be confusion. All right. We like to start every Thursday with something we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey nani nani are those experts talking about and what does it have to do with us and why should we care, right? Because I, you know, there are days when I'm like, why do I have to care about this? And I'll tell you why you have to care about jargon a little. It saves you time and energy and money. And those are three things that, you know, you can never have enough of, right? I'm sure you can probably have enough money, but I, I'm i not sure of that. <laughs> like maybe I'd like to experiment with that, find out if that's true. Uh, where, where are my lottery winnings? I'm, I'm supposed to win the lottery sometime. In any case, we want to save you time, energy, and money today. I always say if I can save somebody five minutes today, whew, I've done my job. So we take, we take these jargon terms, we give you the actual definition, then we like to make, I like to make fun of the actual definition because there's so much to make fun of. Then we give you the working definition so that maybe you can start to begin to get an idea of what this term is. But if you don't get it the first time, don't get frustrated, you'll get it the second or the third or the fourth time around, right? And we do go back over them. And as you see things happening, you go, like sometime three weeks from now, you go, oh, that's that thing Shannon was talking about. I get it now, uh, right? It'll come to you. But how, you know, I love Dr. Jonathan Tarbox always said, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And that's what we do with the jargon, one bite at a time. Okay, so today's term, it's an oldie but a goodie, receptive language. You're going to be in meetings in your life at some point, someone is going to use this term, and uh, it's one of those things that you go, huh, what, what? And usually it's said very quickly and rapidly, you know, well, we're along with other jargon, and you go, mm, which one is that again? I don't know. Because usually we're going to talk about receptive and expressive language, and you're going to hear this a lot at IEPs, and we're going into IEP land. Uh, where it's IEP season of the year. So let's see if we can't look at the actual definition of receptive language and see what they're talking about. So this is what the experts say. The process 
of attending to communication, spoken or non-vocal, comprehending the communication, and being able to react appropriately within a specified time parameter, even when what is being conveyed contains multiple facets. All right, as definitions go, it's not the worst one, right? Okay, the process of attending to communication. So are you paying attention? But wait a second. It could be spoken or non-vocal. Uh, all right, now we're trying to piece it together. Comprehending the communication, because that's important, uh, and being able to react appropriately within a specified time parameter, even when it's being conveyed, contains multiple facets. All right, it's just a lot, right? So let's whittle it down. Let's look at our working definition. Definition. It's an, ab an individual's ability to understand what is being said to them and being able to understand it in a working way. So imagine... I see this all the time because I used to be a school teacher and you've got a room full of students any age and you say to them, please put away your books and take out your math book and turn to page 23, right? And a lot of the kids, maybe 50% of them, will put away their book and pull out the math book and open it up to page 24. Whereas there will be many kids in the classroom who won't be able to take in all that information all in one fell chunk, right? They might hear, take, put away your book, so they put away their book, but they're, they didn't get to the part about the math book, and they certainly didn't get to the part about page 24, right? Then there are ki the kids who are on a little bit of a lag, like they heard the information, but they, it's like it's in slow motion that it's got to go on a train up to their brain through a few filters and a couple of minutes later they realize, oh, I need to be, put the book away and pull the other one out, right? Um, then there are kids who don't get it at all. They heard noise, but they, don't, they weren't able to decode it and figure out what got said. And a lot of times those kids will sit and they'll, they'll see other kids putting away their books and they'll go, oh, I guess I'm supposed to do that and put it away. A lot of times the kids who don't get the information are looked at as being non-compliant. Um, and I always found that frustrating as a teacher because if you look beyond a misperception, you see that they're not quite getting the information. Now, all of us have um, some level of receptive and expressive language. It might be almost none, but uh, there are two ways that we take and receive information. So there's the receiving, that's the receptive, how we take in language and react to it and how much time it takes us to do that. And then there's expressive. So expressive is anything that goes that way. Receptive is anything that goes this way. And there can be so many deficits in a person's receptive language for myriads of reasons. It could be that uh, they are not able to hear, that they have a hearing loss that doesn't allow them to take in the information in terms of it being vocal. And by the way, we mentioned that it's vocal and non-vocal because... Um, for some teachers, some teachers could just look at the student and go like this, which means look at me, right? And they can point to the book and they can do this and then tell them two, four, right? And there are some kids who will be like, oh, open the book to page 24. I got it completely. And other people will be like, I have no idea what she just said. 
Have you ever had the experience where you're at a traffic light and the light is out and they have the person with the white gloves, the tra traffic cop who's, who's going like this and they're, you know, doing this. <laughs> and a lot of times I'm like, I don't know what that means. I am always the person who rolls down the window in the Disneyland parking lot and goes, I don't know what you're gesturing. Like, it's not clear to me. It isn't, you know, if you say to me, mm, and it's very, very clear, I know you want me to go that way, right? But if you're like, you know, voguing, I have no idea what you want, right? That's also receptive language. Can you guess which one is stronger in me, expressive or receptive? Yes, you're correct. Expressive is stronger in me. I have... Uh, uh, it, my expressive is much stronger, my receptive, taking information. I am always the person who's like, what did they say? Did they say this? I don't know what that gesture means. Um, I work on that constantly, but um, it's not unusual for one to be stronger than the other. But with individuals who are on the autism spectrum, it's really important that we identify where their deficits in receptive language are. Sometimes it can be phonemic awareness. We just had somebody last week talking about this, that they can't actually discriminate the different sounds because they can't tune their ear to it, right? And we can work on that. In fact, there's a whole set of lessons and skills um, that work on this. It was Bonnie Yates that was talking about this last week, the phonemic awareness. There are lots of different ways that we can work on receptive language to make it stronger. It's a bit of a safety issue, right? Because if you don't understand when someone is saying, get down, or, you know, please leave the building or cover your head, right? Um, that's a safety issue. But it, it also is a learning issue because your ability to be a sponge and take in information is greatly hampered if your receptive language isn't as strong as what's happening in the room. So, and I certainly have experienced that in my life where there have been times when I've been with a teacher or in a, in a class where my frustration because I could not take in the information because of my receptive language deficits. And we all have deficits to some extent, right? Um, but I can remember being in a dance class where the teacher liked to play the music really loud. And this was in graduate school. It was leading to my master's degree. And the teacher, and it was a world-renowned teacher, by the way, but she liked to play her music loud. And then she would shout things over the music, directions of what we were supposed to do. And I couldn't hear her over the music. I couldn't do it. And and she would then yell at me and say, what are you doing, Penrod? It was almost like that dance mom. What are you doing, Penrod? Well, that would I would hear because I could distinguish my name and I would, and I would stop doing whatever I was doing dance-wise and I would be like this. And she would say, what are you doing now? And finally, in one class, I just said, I am not hearing you, <laughs> you know? And then we had to back up and try new things. Imagine what our kids are feeling when they cannot understand what's happening. It can lead to frustration and um, acting out uh, and challenging behavior. So strengthening receptive language is a really good thing to do. Uh, you'll hear your teachers talking about, well, the receptive language this, their uh, expressive language that. My son's receptive language is so much higher than his expressive language, although he's over the years he's been catching up with his expressive language, but his receptive language is so much better than mine. So don't assume if you haven't been able to get somebody to test your child to see, you can do a free trial on skills and be able to look and know where your child's strengths and weak. It'll show you on a, on a graph. Their expressive language is here, their receptive language is here, or vice versa. And it really makes a difference 
how you teach that person, depending on where, which one is their strength. Huge, huge eye-opening thing for a teacher. All right, that's receptive language. It's a really good term to know and understand. All right, we always have a question of the day for you. Um, but we love to see what your answers are, uh, particularly on Facebook. But today, our question for you is, what do you need most? Like, what, what is the thing that you're lacking right now that you're like, oh, if I just had this. Man, if I just had this, then I could do X, Y, and Z. I, I loved that there was, a, it used to be a show that was on, it was the, hosted by the same gentleman who, his name is Bill, who uh, does The Amazing Race. And his whole thesis was that the things that are stopping people are never as large as what they think they are. So he would go and find people who had a dream deferred, something that they wanted to do and couldn't do, and he would show up with $2,000 and some experts, people that he could connect people to and say, I'll bet we can make this happen for $2,000 if we just know the right people. And sometimes knowing the right people is much more important than the $2,000, although $2,000 doesn't hurt. But I think a lot of times we all think it takes much more than $2,000 seed money to make something happen. But what he was able to determine is that they could absolutely make the dream that they had deferred happen with that level of interaction. Knowing the right people and $2,000, I, I, I just thought it was a fascinating, fascinating show. But I kind of think of that and I go, well, what do you need most? Maybe if you write to us and tell, you, tell us what you need most, maybe we can tell you, maybe we can hook you up to the people. I can't hook you up to the $2,000, unfortunately, because where are my lottery winnings? Um, but maybe we can help you to uh, put you in the right direction to the right people who can help you with what you need most. Let's hope. Let's say that we can uh, and, and see. Let's test it. Write in and tell us what you need most. And then, of course, we always have a topic of the, the week. And this is one of the things that they found out on the show that when people are like, oh, I need this, that they haven't utilized this one thing. And that's using what you have. What do you have? And a lot of times when I sit down to talk with a new family who is starting out in the world of autism, I will ask them to make a list of what your assets are. What do you have in your corner? Like, who do you know? Who, what information do you have? What setup do you, like, what's in your plus column? Because we certainly spend a lot of time talking about, uh, you know, we don't have this and we don't have that because that list is long, right? But what's in your asset column? And are you using everything in your asset column? It may be that something you were thinking of as a negative, which is, you know, I've got a garage full of crud, just stuff that I don't need anymore. Well, you know what? That can be an asset if you turn it into a garage sale where you make a bunch of money, right? So using what you have to get what you need, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So we've got some amazing things for you here today. Um, our guests, first up, we have Thomas and Emily Island. They are a mom and son team, uh, and they work individually too. But uh, Tom was diagnosed with autism as a, uh, I think he was 10 or 13, we'll ask him. Uh, but um, they, well, and, and Traven was just saying, you know, uh, we, we have a segment here called Autism Experts. Um, they are autism experts. They're not a part of that segment, but um, they are autism experts. Emily has written many books, and she's going to be talking about that with us. She's the creator of the Be Safe, the movie, uh, which is an amazing program that helps teach kids 
and lawmakers what how to interact with police when there's an individual who's on the autism spectrum. Life-saving. And she's done workshops uh, and now does them with Tom. Tom and Emily together have uh, written a book that I think is going to just be amazing for all of you. My son and I had the opportunity before it was published to do um, some segments of it. So we're going to talk about that. Mainly we're going to be talking about what happens when school is over and how to best prepare individuals on the spectrum for life life that comes after school and they truly are experts on that so we'll talk with them we have on our schedule that we were going to have um, special education attorney bonnie yates bonnie's been called away so um, we're not going to have her but that's going to leave us more time to be with all of our guests today because we're winding up the show with the fabulous alex plank and i laugh because alex is such a delight um, he's the founder of wrong planet but you saw him not this last monday but the monday before as one of the guest stars on The Good Doctor, uh, the number one top-rated show on ABC, The Good Doctor, and he played an individual who was on the autism spectrum and one half of a couple, and, and I guess I'm going to put that, because uh, in the beginning it's unclear whether they're a couple or not, but it was a sweet, sweet love story. And so Alex is going to be joining us to talk with us about what it was like for him being on the set and as an actor who happens to be on the autism spectrum, what it's like playing somebody who's on the autism spectrum, but not the same kind of autism that you have, um, and, and what that's been like for him and the response. So all of that plus more, we're going to try to squeeze in a mindfulness moment, because we should. And it's Thursday, and we're also going to try to squeeze in an autism in the classroom, if we can. But our guests are so great, we may not be able to. So... Uh, first up, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to be back with Tom and Emily Island. Stick with us. Hey, I'm Candace Cameron Bray. Tom Bergeron. You're watching Autism Live. And you're watching Autism Live. And you're watching Autism Live. You're watching Autism Live. Do you provide care services to someone with autism? Recently, more and more children are being diagnosed with the condition and getting the support they need as awareness grows. But what happens to these children as they grow up? It's estimated that over half a million youth with autism will turn 18 in the next decade, and they'll be faced with a very difficult reality. As children with autism grow up, their services start to disappear or become very difficult to access. Things like medical care, mental health counseling, vocational training, and more. All services that are still desperately needed. The loss of support that youth with autism face as they grow up is so severe that it's referred to in the autism community as falling off a cliff. Adults with autism need the same level of support they had as children to avoid falling off the services cliff. Introducing Skills Living, the web-based software designed specifically to help transitioning youth and adults with autism so they can avoid the cliff and instead fly to success. With Skills Living, help your learner with autism develop the skills they need in all the critical areas of adult life, including self-control, planning, and problem solving, effective communication, performing life skill tasks for independent living, acquiring and maintaining employment or other meaningful activities, developing and maintaining social skills and relationships, accessing transportation and public services, and being safe. Skills Living includes a comprehensive assessment, a data collection mobile app, 
behavior intervention plan builder, and automatic progress reporting. It also provides a complete curriculum addressing 16 key areas spanning the entire range of functioning adulthood. Skills Living is easy to use and can be implemented by schools, parents, and autism service providers. Call or click today for your free demo and see how Skills Living can help your learner with autism avoid the cliff and instead reach their fullest potential. Skills Living. Wish. Learn. Become. Hard times lead to good choices. Many times you're going to find out that change is coming and it's not something that you like to see. Things sometimes just don't work. Sometimes you have to put your child in a new school. Sometimes you have to put them in a different classroom. Often you'll see this with perhaps special education versus regular education or everyone's favorite, puberty. All bets are off then. However, these things happen when they need to happen. So making that hard choice is super, super scary. But when you open those doors to look at things that maybe you've never dreamed you would have to look at, you're going to find help that you never expected. There are a lot of people out there dealing with the same things that you are dealing with, and there is a level of help that you never even knew existed. So don't be afraid when it's time to look at the scary problems that you're having. When those things come up, when the aggression increases, when things are falling apart at home, when you're getting the calls from the schools, don't be afraid. Reach out. Find out what you need to do. You might need to look at new schools, new housing. You might need to access new levels of service. But I am telling you, you're going to see amazing things. There are children that, as they grow, do things with the help of others, very specialized support that you never thought they could do. So once you do that and you meet the child where he or she is and you give them what they need, everybody can do better and you're going to see amazing progress. of three kids, one who was pretty different than the other two, and that began our autism journey. And I had to get up to speed pretty quickly and became an advocate for my son and for others. And then I got into leadership positions with the Autism Society and formed a special needs registry for Santa Clarita. And kind of as my son grew up and other people's children were growing up, we were facing new issues and things that didn't exist needed to be created, so I kind of took that upon myself to address some of the unmet needs that we face as families and educators as our children grow up and, um, you know, to make the world a better and safer place for them. And just before Tom says something, <laughs> let me just reference that then 
You know, I came behind Emily, and we used to live in Santa Clarita. That's where my son was living when, when he was diagnosed. And um, my world was better because Emily had gotten there first. No. Like, I don't want to, I'm going to cry. But, <laughs> but honestly, you know, a lot of the things that I know you guys struggle with in your communities, and you're like, well, you know, nobody has done this and nobody done this. Emily had already done a lot of the work by the time I got there. So I was able to do other things which made my journey easier and, and go that much further because I didn't have to go create a program with the police in my community because Emily had already done it. Um, Emily, you know, I mean, I always say we have to have respect for the people that put the snowshoe uh, prints in first that we followed in, and Emily was very much that for me in my community. I mean, I've, I have goosies thinking about all the things that I encountered that were that much further because you'd been there before me. Well, thank you. And I felt like I had to do it. Like, um, you know, it wasn't okay that we didn't have inclusion programs in our school or, you know, that that kids could wander and no one knew how to find them and, you know, that the police weren't trained and that youth weren't trained to know how to interact with the police. So I took those projects on. Well... And, and that's, it has been an amazing thing for me and for others, I know, so many others and some people who don't even know. Uh, and I, there were years when I did not know that that was you that had done that. But early on, I needed uh, the advice of an advocate and somebody said, oh, well, you, need, you just happen to live in, in the neighborhood of the woman that I would have recommended anyway. And I very early on had a phone call with you and then didn't get to meet you for another million years. But, and, and then later was able to piece together, oh, I had that because of Emily. I had this because of Emily. I was able to go and do something completely different because Emily had done those other things for me. So that's just one of the many reasons why I love Emily. And then, Tom, tell us about you. And I have, uh, there, I have oh, my oh, you're own. Set. <laughs> I do there right yeah, I want here. To what a hug gentleman! You and wipe your what eyes what for a you gentleman, and... though, that you know, he's like, I've, I've got this for you, but I, I do have my own to mop down because you know, I'm that I do that from time to time. But look, what a fabulous gentleman, Tom. Tell us about you. Thank you, Shannon. So I was diagnosed with autism when I was 13, and I've come a long way in a lot of personal and professional struggles. Basically, I loved numbers and I loved Star Wars growing up and my, my goal in life to be George Lucas's accountant. I love <laughs> that. And became a CPA, worked for companies including Disney which later acquired Lucasfilm, so in a way I accomplished my goal. <laughs> but as I got deeper and deeper into accounting, I became more and more unhappy. And I also heard more and more stories of my peers having difficulties knowing themselves, loving themselves, and being themselves. So three years ago, I took the big leap of faith and left accounting behind completely, a permanent job with benefits because I belong on stages. I belong face-to-face with people with autism and their allies, parents, family members, teachers, therapists, telling my story and what I've learned along the way so that they can become their best selves too. And I'm branching out into coaching now. I'm looking to become a certified human potential coach. Ooh. To bring, like out the, bring out the best in others. And I got to say, I love hearing you say that I belong on stage, I belong talking to people, because I've heard you speak, and I think you're right. I think that you're absolutely right. And for people who are looking for a speaker, Tom is a great choice. Uh, you should have him come and speak to your group. But, Mom, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you were like, woohoo, 
I have this son, and we were able to do all these things, and he's a CPA, and he's fully employed, and woohoo, we've arrived. I can kind of take a breath. And then he says, Mom, I think I'd like to quit this full-time job because I've got a dream. I'm sure that was not your favorite day. Well, first I said, are you crazy? <laughs> You're making almost as much as your dad, and you have a, you have health insurance. Right. Why would you leave that? <laughs> right. And then I went to bed, and I thought, well, who am I to say he shouldn't pursue his dreams, or who am I to say that he shouldn't put his happiness over his stability? Right. So I said, I called him up the next day. I said, Tom, you know, I had a brief moment of doubt, but I think you need to follow, follow your gut and take the take the risk, right. and and because happiness is more important and and really finding your niche is what's important. Yeah. Uh, he thought that was going to be his niche. We worked like dogs to get him there. Right. right? right. And uh, both of us did a lot to accomplish that and of course he gets most of the credit but it wasn't easy and so then to say okay we're starting over. Right. He, so but he's done that as well and it's going very well. And what a wonderful, I, I remember right around when that was happening and I, and I remember you talking so positively about how you, you know, it was your intention to support him yeah. to find his dream. And I remember standing in a parking lot with you and hearing you say that and going, oh gosh, I need to remember this for later on because I know this is going to come up in my life too. Yeah. And that, again, you were putting down snowshoes for me to follow in to remember it's, it's his life and that it has to be what makes him happy or what's the point and and then people asked well what are his secrets to success and that's how we ended up writing a book together because i i knew what i had done to help him be successful including relaunching himself but then i said well what are your secrets and then i was shocked by his answer so that's how our, our book came to be, our new book. Well, let's, Tom, hold up the book. So, and we've, we've had you on to talk about this before, but it, this is a great, great, oh, I love that, you, you know, can I also say, too, that this family, um, both of you, have always been, it, it is always, when you have set out to write a book you or do something, you've always thought from the beginning of how and when are we putting this in Spanish and it's like right behind the English. I got to respect that too because that has to happen and yet I have to be honest, it isn't the thing that occurs to me until somebody says it and I go, oh, we don't have this in Spanish. But look at this, you guys. Look at how um, that it's available in both. Okay, so uh, let's, let's take a couple of minutes to talk about Come to Life. And then a la vida. Is that the correct that is pronunciation? Correct. Um, <clears throat> and uh, my son and I got to do some of the, the workshop things in it uh, before it came out. And we loved it. We still talk about it. Um, so I highly recommend it. But tell the folks who this is for and what you hope to accomplish through the book. Well, there aren't many books out there that are spoken from a person with autism to people with autism. So this book is me essentially talking to my peers, explaining to them what they need to know and do in order to become their best selves. And we named it Come to Life because when I started college, started becoming an adult, taking responsibility for my own life, I realized I can't sit back and wait for life to come to me. It's up to me to come to life. And too many young people are sitting back playing video games, hoping for some kind of miracle or letting others dictate their lives. Yeah. And I say, mm -hmm. it's you that has to drive your life forward. It is you that has to go out there and experiment, find out what's working, what's not. It is you 
that has to make your life the best it can. It starts and ends with you. Isn't that a great message? But I think it goes a little bit further than that because there are some people who are sitting at home playing video games and don't know that there's anything else. Exactly. And I think that one of the things that you're... Um, I'm calling them workshops, but they're activities. Activities. Thank you. That um, what it does is it helps to uncover the dreams that lead to the desire to find the other thing. Exactly. We call it your guide to self-discovery, and Tom is the guide. Yeah. And self-discovery is the process, and that's what we're not doing with our young people. And we feel that transition planning's aren't planning isn't going well. Because we bring young people to the table and say, what do you like? What do you want? What are you good at? And the answer is, I don't know. For kids on the autism spectrum, that those questions are, you might as well be saying, how did he do that? Exactly. Right? Uh, I hate it when, when people, still to this day, my son is doing so well, but people will say, what's your favorite subject? And he hates questions that are like, what's my favorite? Because it's not getting to the meat of what he right. wants to talk about. If you could say to him, you know, what made you excited this week? And yeah. then he could answer that. Well, you know, I heard somebody say, when you ask what's your favorite, they have to think of everything in that category and then rank it. Yes. And that's why it takes them so long to process. Uh, and he hates it. But the reason they don't have the answers is because we haven't given them the experiences to discover. And so the whole book is about self-discovery because what we're doing is bringing people to the table, asking the questions. The answer is, I don't know, but we still plan anyway yeah. based on nothing. And then we say, oh, look, this transition plan didn't yield anything. <laughs> because they're leading a life that's essentially not theirs, right. that they don't want. No wonder they're being unhappy and crashing right. and burning. Well, and no wonder why we have such high rates of depression mm -hmm. and anxiety. Yep. And then that leads to things that, you know, look, we don't all want to talk about, but we have to, that we have a high rate of suicide in our young people. Um, young people, period, but young people on the spectrum have a much higher rate of thoughts of suicide and suicidal actions than do neurotypical people. I have read depressed. that the average age of a person with autism, average lifespan is 36 years old. Which and is then they ridiculous. end it. And I am going to turn that age this year. Mind you, I'm not planning on ending my life, but of I, I feel very much for those that are having those thoughts and Struggling. thinking there's no hope. And for parents, we need to, and teachers, we need to get a hold of this idea and say, the seeds get sown so much earlier. Yes. And I think that this is the only book that's addressing that. So where do they get the book? How do they get the book? And how do they work through the book? What are the expectations? So you can find this book on my website, thomasisland.com. And it's also available on Amazon. It's a number one bestseller. We also won 11 awards for it this year. Wow. International Latino Book Awards. And it won the uh, best self-help book in Spanish category. Aww. Also so forward book review. And I think one of the judges said that this book belongs in every high school or college classroom. Well, e every high school or college student needs access to this book. I'm sure that you guys have explored this, but have you done the thing where it's in every library in every high school? Not yet. Okay. We would like some help with that. that it's not uh, easy to accomplish. That needs to happen. It should be in every single library. It's uh, amazing. So now that we know where to get it, um, talk a little bit about how you work through the things and, and the partnership that the parent can do to work on it. Uh, it begins with knowing yourself and when it came to talking about my diagnosis and bringing it to my attention and when I was finally told that I have a pattern of differences, that's what we call autism, a pattern of differences. Got and it. that I was asked, do I want to know what it's called? I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> but eventually I came back to say, all right, 
what's it called right and part of knowing about my diagnosis i could not accept it until i knew my parents had mm. i think this is a major prerequisite in young people's lives they don't accept themselves or understand themselves fully because the parents or the person they look up to does not know or accept the kid for who they are so it's a major prerequisite that we need to address more once the parents can see that their kid has potential that this is the way their kid is going to be and love them for who they are then the kid is going to have more success in life and I think uh, piggybacking on that is parents who are afraid to tell their kids about their autism because they think it's going to hurt their self-esteem and all you know the labeling issues the alternate is not knowing who you are and not understanding all facets of yourself and that can really hurt people as they get older and as they need to understand themselves more to self-advocate yeah. uh, tell what they need f find what they like and are good at um, they need to know about their entire selves without shame the secret is is a hint that the parents ashamed mm -hmm. of the child or their diagnosis so we need to be clear about that and this going through these activities together can really help with that and and so you have activities in the book and and the expectation is that the parent and the individual do them together or teachers can do it or teachers can do it um, and what age range do you guys specify for the book uh, we're looking at ages 12 and older okay. anybody that's on the verge of uh, a major transition maybe from elementary school to junior high school junior high school to, co to high school high school to college moving on mom and dad's house looking for your first job these big-time events that we don't really prepare our youth for yeah. these have the questions that will give the answers to lead your best life in those transition situations and autism is a huge spectrum of people affected in a lot of different ways is there a level of uh, like do they need to be verbal to be able to do this do they need to be able to read to be able to do this or can a teacher or parent work through it with them no matter what level they're at? What do you think? Well, the parents and the teachers will know how best to work with or communicate with the individuals. So this can work for a wide spectrum of learning and comprehension levels. Okay. And I would add to that, don't assume that someone can't or shouldn't have a process of self-discovery because they may have limited verbal ability. Right. They are entitled to and deserving of the same process of self-discovery, even if you have to approach it slightly differently. The nuts and bolts are there. How you would adapt it is up to you. But we need to give everyone opportunities to find their strength, to find their niche, and to find their voice. And one of the things that I found in, in doing the activities that I did with my son was, you know, there, there, for some of us, it's not everybody, but I have found that in recent years, as well as my son is doing, he's off doing other things. He doesn't especially want to talk to me. And I had become this non-entity person in his life that was the cook, the cleaner, you know, the cook, the maid, and the chef, right? And, and the chauffeur. Um, but what this did was gave us an opportunity side by side to do an activity and say what we were thinking and feeling about the activity. And I learned things about him that he wouldn't have shared with me otherwise. Wonderful. Uh, which was very eye-opening. But he also got to hear a little bit about my perspective on things, which has made things better. I think it has helped him to see for perspective taking from my side and to see me as a person, a living, breathing person. 
uh, instead of just the person who washes his clothes. Right. Do you know? And I that's do. an important thing for any teenage relationship. I think so. And I think one of the most important messages parents can share with their children of any age is I want to help you have the life you want for yourself. Yes. Rather than young people feeling like we're pushing them down a certain path when we didn't even give them a chance to decide There's if that's that. the right path. There is that. So, so that's you know, important. if they know you're an ally for their dreams, and say they want to be an astronaut. Not everyone can be an astronaut, but you can say, okay, if you're going to be an astronaut, what do we need to do to get you there? That's right. And then start doing it. And then start doing it, and you might get close. All right, <laughs> we're going to take a break, but before we go to break, I want to address some of the things that people have been writing in on Facebook, saying hi to Kaz and Sharon and Rosie. And Rosie's excited about today's show, and aren't you excited that we're hearing all this? Hi to Chris. Raquel Megan says, love you so much, but fighting a huge battle in Canada. We know we need 25 hours of ABA, but our, uh, oh, this is a long one. Uh, but our provincial government in charge of us is allotting 140K per child income tested so many get less for their life. That's 140K for all therapy until 18. Can you add your or Dr. D uh, Doreen's voice to Autism Parents United? We will definitely look into that about the budget. Um, be happy to help you. Let's get you booked on the show to talk about this. Let's do that. Uh, Laura Michelle, uh, Respite care, special daycare for a break for hubby and I. Have ARC friends and family. I'm going to read more about that during the break and figure out what it is that you're asking me. Helen, hello. Shannon, your program helps me to talk about autism and diagnosis as an adult. Uh, bond we have with the nephew is extra special. We're glad to hear that. Wonderful. Uh, Beverly says, hello, Shannon. Just listening to you and I love your show. I'm a grandma and a mother who has a grandson with autism. I have so many questions I want to ask you. How can I talk with you? Right where you're, right where you're writing it, and that, this works. And then we can get to your questions here, or you can write them in on the website, autism-live.com, or you can email me, s.penrod at autism-live. Um, Emily inspired me to be the best advocate for my son, not only in school, but also in the community. Tom reassured me that if parents believe amazing progress is possible, uh, love you guys. And that's from Myrna. Oh, yes. Myrna saying Myrna. And Nava is watching. Hi, Nava. Hi, Nava. Okay. So um, we're, I'm going to read those longer ones that I didn't get to during the break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit about Be Safe, and then we are going to get to the topic that I promised, talking about what happens when school is over and adult life is here. Uh, we're going to be feeding some of that in. But stick with us, you guys. We're glad you're here. We'll be back after these messages. Hi, Lee Sackerman, back with your Talk of Facts, the autism journey questions and answers that you need to help your child make the progress they need. I'm here to talk to you about one really important item. A lot of people ask me the question, well, Lisa, I want to see this specialist in another state. How do I do that? You know, I don't, I don't own a jet. I don't have the ability to fly um, without great pain and travel. Not a problem. We know how to get this done. So I actually encourage families, even though in travel can be a tremendous hardship getting a child with autism through security, through the plane, and in the journey to where they need to go, we have a whole white paper on TACA about how to travel with special needs kids. So it can be done. So travel, we know that can be expensive. Not everyone has an unlimited supply of cash for air flights. 
we love and work with this group called miracleflights.org. They're fantastic. They will fly you and your child, so one parent, one adult, anywhere in the United States, one time a year. Also in the TACA document are places to stay. So often you will have people in your life that love and support your family and don't know exactly how to help. Ask them to gift you their travel or their rewards cards or coupons for hotel rental car. That's a great way to be able to get maybe a hotel room that has a refrigerator or a microwave and that's close to a Whole Foods so you don't have that added cost of uh, going out to dinner, especially if your kid has a lot of allergies. It's important to note that there's not a pediatrician or a specialist by every Starbucks uh, in the United States. Close does not always equal best. So I bring up the travel point so you know that travel is possible, number one, and often it's really gonna help you get down the road faster for your kid and getting the answers you need from the specialist that knows what to do. So don't be afraid to travel. Welcome back, you guys, to Autism Live. We're here live in the studio with Tom Island and Emily Island. And we have been talking about Come to Life, the book that they wrote together, and want to encourage people to get that and do the activities in the book with the, the person in your life that you care so much about. It is a really great thing to do. I wanted to pivot a little bit and take a second, Emily, to talk about Be Safe. Mm -hmm. um, this never goes out of fashion. I wish it did. But there are so many times on this show when we cover in the news and we talk about a story where an interaction has happened with an individual on the spectrum and a first responder that goes wrong. Yeah. And, you know, we can all shout and yell and scream and say that our police force needs to be better trained, and I'm not going to disagree. They need more training. I don't think you would disagree with that either, and you work hard to provide, started. Yeah. to provide the training. But, you know, I think that there's another side to it, and, and that's that we, if we just did that, we would do, we were doing a lot, but we wouldn't be doing everything that we could, which is also giving training to our individuals in, on the autism spectrum about what may or may not happen and how to react. Right. And this is another way that Emily has helped all of us because you don't have to go look for a program. You don't have to go figure it out. Um, you can get her program better than that. You can have her come. And, and it isn't just you anymore because now you take Tom with you. Yep. And you guys tour and go to places and we'll meet with families and with individuals on the spectrum, but you also do a training with the police and other first responders if asked. So tell them about Be Safe the movie sure. and how they can make this happen. Sure. So I, I think you know that I, I thought that training the police was the solution when I was worried about Tom driving and mm -hmm. my friends who had children who wandered and all that 20 years ago. Right. I started training the police and I wrote the training for the LAPD that they're still implementing more than once a month since 2006. Right. So we had about 9,000 LAPD trained. But when we're looking at the news and seeing what's going wrong, four things happen when something goes wrong with anybody in a police interaction. You run, you fight, you reach, or you reach. Mm. So the officers pointed out that to me, and I realized that that was happening, and I thought, who's teaching our young people not to do those four things? Right. And how do we reframe those into positive behaviors? Stay where you are, follow instructions, keep your hands to yourself, and stay calm. Yeah. So those are the four life-saving behaviors we decided to teach. I wrote a script. 
I worked with Joey Travolta to make the movie. We have actors with disabilities in the film interacting with real police, and we use video modeling to show what to do instead. Mm -hmm. So that's what Be Safe is all about. And I wrote a companion curriculum to go along with it that any parent or teacher can use that has differentiated materials for people of all verbal and cognitive abilities. Because we need to teach this to everyone and assume that everyone can benefit from A, the video modeling, because there's evidence that it works for people of all abilities, yes. and B, from the differentiated curricular materials where we take concepts and present the same concept 12 different ways yeah. uh, so that we are sure we're reaching everyone. We, You know, if, if you're into ABA or other therapies where we break tasks down and practice and practice again, why should we think it's going to be fine to send our youth out into the community without practicing what to do when you meet the police? Exactly. But that's what we're doing. I know, and, and it's upsetting to me, but I, I, I'm able to sleep at night because I know that you've made this. And so people who want to reach out and get this have a way of getting this. And it can be as simple for a parent as watching the DVD yourself and then watching it with your, uh, the person in your life that you love, whether yep. it's your, what age range do you think? 12 and up again. 12 and up. Mm -hmm. um, and, and sitting and watch. I'm sure that I watched it with Jem before he you was did. 12, though. And um, like he probably would have been 10. And I, I remember watching it first and I was like, oh my gosh, because there are things that I didn't know and hadn't thought about. So there's no way I would have taught him or prepared him for. And I, you know, I watch the news and I am mortified by some of the things that I see. And I'm terrified for so many people. Um, but if we don't do our part in it, then what are we doing? That's exactly right. And some people overlook it. And I, I know in the beginning when Tom was younger, I was afraid to even think about this topic or I was too busy keeping my day glued together and our life glued together that this, yeah. was a, this was for later. But this is not for later. And you're right. The first three episodes of this movie, which are follow the law to be safe, the police are here to protect and serve, and their equipment's interesting, but don't touch it. Yeah. That's for everybody yeah. of any age. Yeah. Uh, it gets more complicated after that. Our, our fourth scene is of a boy uh, waiting at a bus stop and he's mistaken for an armed robber. So the police come at him with their guns drawn. Yeah. This happened two weeks ago in Tempe, Arizona to a man with autism who had seen Be Safe. Oh my goodness. And he knew what to do. Oh, I just got chills. In fact, I actually trained his mother. I do a certificate course to train, train educators and leaders how to uh, use this material. and. Um, she had been trained and she had worked with her son and she feels that him having seen the videos made the difference of life and death in this situation. I was just going to say, we didn't hear about this <laughs> because he's still alive and so it didn't make the news mm -hmm. because Precisely. he's still alive and, you know, let's, let's remember <laughs> that we, we don't want to be on the news because of the horrible things that happen and here's the answer. And they're preventable. Yes. And uh, he's a, he has low verbal ability. But you don't have to be able to talk to follow instructions exactly. from the police. Exactly. Uh, he, he, his mom would have hoped that he had done it a little quicker. Yeah. But he did not have the second part of Be Safe, which where we do an event called an interactive movie screening, okay. where we pair, we, we train the police with my experience autism program, right. the only evidence-based police training in America at this point. Then we pair up those trained police with our youth to watch be safe and practice the safety activities together like asking for help and following instructions. Yeah. So she felt if he had also had the live practice, right. he would have been quicker in his responses to the police. But even then, right. you know, his life was saved. So 
Emily, for people who are watching this and who are like, well, I don't think they've done this in my neighborhood and they haven't done it in my community, what do they need to do? Because um, you've been able to go to many places. In fact, didn't you guys just get back? Last from, night at midnight yeah. from Texas. <laughs> from, and they're here from today. Crowley, Texas. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. And so how does that happen? Right. Is that a so parent people, that, that makes that happen? People contact me at Emily at BeSafeTheMovie.com. Okay. And uh, we have a menu of services we offer, and Tom and I co-train together. So we can train, just do an activity for youth with police like we did yesterday in Texas, or we can build local capacity for educators and leaders and service providers to use this curriculum with hundreds and hundreds of people. Right. And um, so, and then we um, also train the police. So it's a, a it's a package, and you right. can get every, anything you want. Uh, but a lot of people write grants for it, or a lot of um, organizations are making this a priority, and they're coming to us and bringing us in. And, and finding the funding for it, and there is funding out there. There is funding for education. I mean, sometimes the police department has the funding for it. Sometimes your public library has the funding for it. Sometimes your local school has the funding department for it. Department of Mental Health, Department of Developmental Disabilities, all different people have made this a priority, and our phone is ringing off the hook, which is as it should be. Yes. You know, because this has to be in every community, and I don't know if you knew this, but... There's a company called Teach Town, and now they can stream Be Safe into classrooms oh, via subscription. And it's in a format where there's a pre-question, the student is on their own computer, watches the episode, does the post-question, and the oh. computer tracks for the teacher which episodes the students are on. Oh, I love it. And then the teacher uses the curricular materials to uh, build uh, the skills and vocabulary. I love it. I, I love that technology is helping us mm -hmm. to get there one way or the other. Yes. So all those different ways, amazing. But if there's something in your gut right now that's saying, uh-oh, I think we need this, follow through on it today. So they should email you emily mm -hmm. at besafethemovie.com. Okay. Uh, and talk to Emily and see if you guys can't get something worked out so that they can come and that you can benefit from this. People also can just buy the DVD. They can buy just the DVD. That's just the movies. But I recommend that they get the DVD plus the curriculum, which comes on a CD-ROM, and you just print out what you need. Um, yeah, if you printed out this whole thing, it looks like this, 300 okay. pages. <laughs> oh, yeah. But you don't have to. If <laughs> right. You just select the items you want and use those, but it goes a little deeper. Like, for example, uh, we say respect boundaries with the police, yeah. but what if you don't know what personal space is? Yeah. Or you don't know what boundaries are? We have yeah. to go deeper in the curriculum with that idea and yeah. then the movie makes more sense. Okay. Yeah. And let me weigh in by saying that we say safety first all the time, but are we really putting it first when yeah. we put our kids out there? We're leaving safety to chance by not teaching them this material. And we, it takes, unfortunately, a tragedy for us to be aware of it or like, yeah. oh, what did that kid not know? Or that those police officers should have been trained. Be proactive yeah. in teaching safety, making it their priority so the kids know what to do and what to say when, not no longer if, when yeah. they meet the police, even if they're minding their own business, they're going to have an, an encounter one way or another. We've seen it too many times. Yes. We've seen it way too many times. Okay, we're going to take another break, and then we're going to talk, uh, come back and talk a little bit more about you guys, uh, your advice on what happens after school is done and, and what we can do to get all of our individuals on the spectrum ready so that there isn't this cliff. Yeah. Um, and, and instead of being, again, you know, saying, well, why hasn't somebody done that? Um, 
sometimes people have to create it themselves. You're the queen of that. <laughs> uh, in any case, uh, don't forget that a little bit later on next hour, we're having Alex Plank on to talk about his recent stint on The Good Doctor. So, uh, but we're going to take a break. And as we go to break, I was there was one uh, more comment that I wanted to read, but I've lost it now. And I'll, I'll do it when we come back. Stick with us. Parent to parent, you might be asking yourself sometimes, why does my child have meltdowns? Well, the difference between tantrums and meltdowns, tantrums, they're a part of typical development, but meltdowns are when things get a little bit more out of control, when even the child isn't sure what's entirely wrong. Generally with a meltdown, there's an environmental component. There's something else going on outside the child that's making the tantrum worse. It's really important that we start to be detectives and take notes and look around at the environment and start to figure out what are the things that happen every time your child has a meltdown. And lastly, it's important to get help. You really can't face these kinds of things effectively completely on your own. Tantrums, they're a part of typical development, but don't accept meltdowns as something that just happens. Make sure you get help and support. You might be asking yourself if your child has autism. Hard times lead to good choices. Many times you're going to find out that change is coming and it's not something that you like to see. Things sometimes just don't work. Sometimes you have to put your child in a new school. Sometimes you have to put them in a different classroom. Often you'll see this with perhaps special education versus regular education or everyone's favorite, puberty. All bets are off then. However, these things happen when they need to happen. So making that hard choice is super, super scary. But when you open those doors to look at things that maybe you've never dreamed you would have to look at, you're going to find help that you never expected. There are a lot of people out there dealing with the same things that you are dealing with, and there is a level of help that you never even knew existed. So don't be afraid when it's time to look at the scary problems that you're having. When those things come up, when the aggression increases, when things are falling apart at home, when you're getting the calls from the schools, don't be afraid. Reach out. Find out what you need to do. You might need to look at new schools, new housing. You might need to access new levels of service. But I am telling you, you're going to see amazing things. There are children that, as they grow, do things with the help of others, very specialized support that you never thought they could do. So once you do that and you meet the child where he or she is and you give them what they need, everybody can do better and you're going to see amazing progress. Welcome back to Autism Live. We're here with Tom Island and Emily Island. And we've been talking about a wide variety of topics. Uh, their fabulous book, Come to Life, which everyone should get, but also Be Safe, the movie. And I was saying to Emily during the break that one of the things that I find that you guys write in about the most that I end up referring people to Emily is for your reading comprehension program. Can you talk briefly about that? Mm -hmm. 
So when I was doing my master's degree at Cal State Northridge, I was inspired to do it by the fact that Tom was struggling, in spite of his many abilities, he was struggling with reading comprehension and I wanted to know why and what to do about it. Yeah. And when I, I was so excited to do a master's program and a post-master's program to ask that question and get the answers, mm -hmm. but nobody was discussing it. Well, did anybody know is the, it, is the question. Well, it wasn't even a topic of discussion in the highest level reading classes because the focus is always on dyslexia, yeah. not people who can decode but don't understand. So I had to do an independent study and ended up writing the book, Drawing a Blank, Improving Comprehension for Readers on the Autism Spectrum. And com uh, reading is, a, is a, a developmental process and autism is a developmental disability. Yeah. You take a developmental process and a developmental disability and you get a mismatch. Yeah. And so there's 43 places that comprehension breaks down for readers with autism. And the reason those is happening is all related to a different aspect of autism like uh, vocabulary development or uh, reading nonverbal cues which you can't do in writing if you can't do it in real life and right. all these different features of autism contribute to this big problem that's often masked by the ability to decode wow. so I looked at all the research I could find and found five things people could do about it uh, and since I've written it uh, I also added a few promising practices that's still the, the state of the uh, research today. I wrote that book in 2011. You know, eight years later, there's, we really haven't made much more progress. So the things that we know work mm -hmm. still work, but yeah. there's a small handful. And one of the biggest things is preparing to read. Don't mm -hmm. just hand somebody some material and hope for the best. Right. They need to be primed and prepared with vocabulary and concepts. Yeah. Which is funny enough, once I discovered that for that book, that's why I created Be Safe the way I did. Uh, I primed and broke down the concepts to prepare them to understand. So that's really the key, uh, is that preparation to read. Well, I, so that's called Drawing a Blank, mm -hmm. and where do they get that? That's on Amazon or from AAPC publishers. Okay. And I can tell you where the title came from, Drawing a Blank. Basically, I was having difficulty with reading comprehension. and I was given the assignment to write an essay of what life will be like 50 years in the future. And I'm sitting there like, what could it possibly be like? And I told my mom, if it hasn't happened to me, my mind is a blank page. Mm. That was our aha moment. Yeah, right. So that people with autism are more familiar with concrete known things. Yes. And that's why they like factual materials. Right. But think about novels. Yeah. Uh, with a few exceptions, like Harry Potter and Star Wars seem to be the exceptions, but generally speaking, novels are too far removed from the person's own experience, yeah. uh, physical and emotional experiences perhaps, and it's too much to ask. Uh, it's not an easy task, so it's avoided. Yeah. And the less they do it, the less proficient. Yes. So. And the yeah. comprehension tests that we have today focus on the concrete detailed aspects like what color was the girl's dress oh, yellow it says crazy. so right there why do you think the author made the girl's dress yellow uh because he could right so the inferential so our young people pass the tests stuff. that are based on the concrete details but dismisses or they tend to miss the questions about abstract emotional yeah concepts and then they don't understand what they read they stop reading they don't develop other aspects of their learning and development yeah, and that's what's it's causing them to cycle. fall through the cracks. It's a very vicious cycle. I have to say too, with the um, the current core curriculum, the way that they test hurts my head. 
Yeah. It's it's very and I understand why they're testing the way they do, but it's it's very difficult for anyone, I think, but for an individual on the autism spectrum, I, I And <laughs> actually, know? I wanted to know what is the best test for uh, testing comprehension and I read the textbook on it and it said there is no best test for testing comprehension but make sure you test all five types of comprehension mm -hmm. and I'm like there's five types of comprehension yeah and there are and most tests only test one most of the standardized tests test one or two but there's actually five so that's what the book's about is how to unmask and identify the issues so they can be addressed because if you just look at the facade you know can they read this number of words do they get 80 percent of the questions right yes the 80 concrete percent right. of the questions mm -hmm. then they right. fly in above the radar but it's a fascinating topic and i do guided tours of uh, drawing a blank for teachers and teach them all the yes. information because there's so little information about this We've got to inform them about the problem so they can look for their own solutions on yeah. an individual basis. Yes. So uh, if there's, and we have teachers who are watching, mm -hmm. um, that they, if there's somebody who wants to attend one of these workshops, where are we finding out information about that? Uh, EmilyIsland.com is where I have my everything about me and all the things I'm doing. I don't have any scheduled right now, but I go wherever I'm brought in to do that work. Okay. And especially in Texas. They love that in Texas. They want to raise, raise their rating. They want to raise their reading scores for students with disabilities, and they're finding that this yeah. is a great resource for doing it. And they should want to do that because they've been slapped with giant a fines, bit. haven't they? <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, good that they're, you know, Take putting them. action where it should be. Yeah. Uh, let's say that with love. Uh, okay. So, but we, and we're running out of time, um, but we wanted to talk with you guys about the cliff and about how best to prepare individuals for when school's over. And school could be over at 18, it could be over at 21, it could be over later. Mm -hmm. We have individuals on the spectrum that are going and getting master's degrees, but still there is, I think for anyone, when I, I remember what it was like for me when I was done with, first done with college and I went out into the workforce for two years, then went back to graduate school, and then went, oh, it's time for adult life. And, you know, I had an idea of what I wanted to do, but it can still be very intimidating. And for our kiddos that are on the autism spectrum, if we wait to think about it then, I, I feel like that's the wrong thing. So what do you, from everything that you guys have learned, what are some things that we can be doing earlier so that they know what to do then? Well, you need to be preparing for adulthood well before it actually happens. You don't wait until their 18th birthday to say, okay, here's what's next. You gotta start preparing at 10, 11, 12 years old. Start thinking things through. And we've talked a little bit about independent living and the Drexel Institute did a study and found independent living skills are the number one indicator of success. So it's starting in the household. Okay. Give, that was actually give, teach. Uh, excuse teach. me, teach. So give giving young people a chore, helping them master it, and then move on to another chore. Help them master that, move on to another chore. Then they start to realize they have the power. They can do things, and that starts to give them responsibility towards their life. Now, as we look at the schooling situation, I don't know if you've ever heard of the diploma track. Yes. Because when young people take a diploma, that's them accepting responsibility for their life, saying goodbye to special services. I'm done at 18. Yeah. And then it's like a door closing and locking behind them. They can't go back to get those therapies, those services that they still need, but are being denied yeah. because they took that diploma. Yeah. So if you're still in high school, junior high school, elementary school, plan to have that diploma 
held back. And this is my biggest secret to success that I'm going to share with all of you today. Because my mother saw, because of my reading comprehension, because of all of my uh, doing well on tests, but still not having everything I needed to succeed, we are letting our young people fall through the cracks and take the diploma and be denied services when we should be holding that diploma back and keeping their transition plans open so they can continue to receive the services. I gotta say, I'm a little surprised that this is the advice. Yes, because a diploma, tr the, uh, the problem is not the diploma, right. it's the diploma track. Okay. Once you have enough credits to graduate, you're out. Right. Even if you're not prepared for life, even if no one addressed your self-advocacy skills, your organizational skills, because if you're on a diploma track, you're in a heavy academic uh, yeah. timetable. Yeah. So when do they have time to give you work experience? Work experience is a known predictor of adult success. And there are lots of great programs available to students who are not getting a diploma or who are taking uh, programs that people who are not taking a diploma can take advantage of and people who are taking a diploma don't have time. So to me, what we need is a blended track for our yeah. students mm -hmm. with a real transition plan, with a real goal, and that the, the services lead to realizing that goal. Yeah. So say, for example, the goal is to go to college and you think, oh, so, so the, the transition IEP should say that they'll apply to college. Well, no. They, what skills do they need to be successful yeah. in college? Yeah time management, organization of their materials, uh, breaking tasks down into pieces. We're sending kids out with academic ability to go to college but without preparing them for life. I know a guy who went to college and never took a shower for the first two weeks of school because mm -hmm. no one ever told him he stunk. And his, at home, his mom would say, you stink, go take a shower. Right. But when he was living in the dorm, no one ever said, you stink. So he never went and took a shower. Oh, okay. So you see what yes. that, and he was a diploma track kid. He did not get everything he needed. So I'm all in favor of a high academic standard, but not at the price of not preparing people for life. Okay. And even if you have taken a diploma, even if you are past that point and you're looking for guidance, I mean, look at me. I wanted to be George Lucas's accountant. I more or less accomplished that goal, but I found something better for myself, helping my peers and helping their allies realize their true potential. So know that it's never too late to lead a better life for yourself. That's a, a wonderful thing to end on, and yet I have more questions. <laughs> they all uh, never end, and that's fine. Well, and so I love the idea of a blended track, yeah. but what I see here in Los Angeles is that there are a lot of people, it's either or. You either do the diploma track or you stick around, and then if you stick around for another three years of funding on our dime, we don't give you the diploma at the end. I have seen parents who managed to get the diploma, but they had to pull teeth and strings and all well, different no kinds of things. Well, no one's, it's not going to be easy. Okay. Uh, for us, it was easy because we had a lot of facts that proved that this was the right thing to do. And I had a wonderful mother who knew the system inside and out, so that, I'm huh? extremely grateful for that. <laughs> but we didn't have to fight because I used facts. Okay. Here's the fact. We're saying he has the ability to do math at a college level and he's in high school, but he doesn't understand word problems. Right. We are dooming him. How is he going to become an accountant when he has the mathematical ability if he can't do the word problems? So we had we documented where the needs were and kept the transition plan going to work on those so things. So you actually did this with, with Tom. You did this. You stayed in high school longer. But not then, at high school. Not at not high school. At, I was, at, my at transition at plan was still open. I'm still I going see. to community college receiving services I that otherwise see. would have been denied. 
and I was able to become wow. my best self. We don't and want still anyone staying the on the commun no. on the high school campus. That no, is not no, what it, we're talking about. Okay. You go to age-appropriate places, right? And you continue to work on your goals. Like, but then, do you, when do you go back and get the high school diploma? When, at, once when you've you're met done. your goals, once the transition plan is considered complete. So it's all about writing a great transition plan, and uh, that's. So this, see, come to life says volume one. Ah. So volume two is me tell, answering these questions. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm working on it. So this okay. is just the beginning. <laughs> I'm so, so happy. I, I wanted to say Lori, Carl, Lori Carlton says hi and thank you for all you do. Uh, Paula says hello. And Beverly has written in to ask, how do I help my daughter cope with some real rough days? I don't know what to say to do or help her. Um, why does my grandson hit himself so hard? This is something new. This So that's going to be a longer conversation. He does very well in a lot of therapy to help him with his mother who works with him all the time. I just wish I just had someone to talk to sometimes and thanks for listening. And I want to say that, you know, there are lots of places where, I mean, you can come here and you can talk to us. Um, but I also want to let everybody know that there are autism parent groups all over online. We had Lisa Ackerman from Taka, Taka on yesterday, and they have online groups where you can talk to people online, but they also have coffee talks where you can go and sit and meet with other parents, which is a very helpful thing. But there, there are groups more groups than I can shake a stick at. Don't you agree, oh, Emily? I, I needed one. I, I helped form the Santa Clarita Autism Asperger Network, which is still going. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of people are preferring online support now. Yeah. And what? But know you're not alone. Right. Know there's hope, and know there's help. And I would say for your daughter, um, get come to life, and and work through that together, so that you can help her with the rough days. Um, and, th and then we're going to talk about your grandson and the hitting himself so hard in just a second. But Wright has said, thank you so much for sharing this information that is hard to tackle because of fear. And I think that that's true. We all get yeah. afraid and we get paralyzed. Yeah. So thank you for doing that. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but let's say your cumulative websites again so that people will know how they can get, reach all both right. of you. So emilyisland.com, that's I-L-A-N-D. There's no S in island. That's right. Yeah, people are quick to write down island like Rhode Island, but no S <laughs> No in S in island. So emilyisland.com or besafethemovie.com. Okay. And I'm thomasisland.com. Okay. Should I be calling you Thomas instead of Tom? I prefer Tom. It's like a nickname to okay. me, but my birth name, my legal name is Thomas, okay. and I'm using so it in the, okay in the professional sense. And somebody else already had TomIsland.com. Okay. Yeah, some <laughs> website, no some website yeah. in Russia wow. has TomIsland.com, yeah. so What's I had to go up with, with Tom. that. <laughs> okay, well, I appreciate you guys much more than you know, We honestly. appreciate you. You're wonderful. And thank you so much for being here, and uh, I look forward to having you back on when Volume 2 it's is out. In the um, works. Because I already have questions. All right. We're we're going to take a break and then when we come back you guys it's time for us to welcome alex plank back to the program he's going to talk about being on the good doctor on last week's episode i can't wait stick with us nobody ever asks a kid with autism what is it you really like to do at this school we ask the kids what is your goal what is your dream Exceptional Minds is a vocational training program for young adults on the autism spectrum who want to have careers in computer animation and visual effects. 
I think young people with autism are totally underestimated. When you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. They all have different talents, different skills, and what surprised me is that there really are no limits, that if these guys believe that they can do something, they really can. It's estimated that 90 to 95% of young adults with autism are unemployed or underemployed. A lot of young adults still live at home. A lot of them suffer from depression and are very isolated from the rest of the world, and the opportunities for them are very limited. We want to develop careers for our young adults. Our full-time program runs three years, at the end of which we have job placement and job coaching. We have a work readiness program. We also have our own in-house studios so that when our students graduate, they can do on-the-job training and work on real projects. We outsourced about 30, 40 shots to the team here. They did fantastic work that we can put into a movie and be proud of it. It's great. I mean, we want to do it again. The studio is their first step into the professional world, the first step in their new careers as digital artists. The whole purpose is to get the students out into the real world. We all have the same dreams. We want significance, dignity, and purpose with our lives. We have an opportunity to give those three words to every single student at this school who will actually be able to go out and participate in the dream. This is my first full-time, full-paying job. I primarily work in After Effects. I learned After Effects at Exceptional Minds. It seemed like a good place for me to fit in because I was interested in animation. Right from the first day that Nikki set foot in our company, he was producing work for us. We saw what level of professionalism is being instilled in them from the very beginning. This was the first opportunity where Nikki could combine something he loved to do with something he was really, really good at that could eventually lead to employment. When we first met Kevin, he was working at a supermarket bagging groceries and they said he would never mount anything else. I work at Stargate Studios and uh, I'm a junior compositor. I mainly do like rotoscoping right now and I'm still learning. I think that you find great talent in the most amazing places. The students at Exceptional Minds have had a fair amount of training to get them ready for the visual effects environment. If it wasn't for Exceptional Minds, I might still be at the supermarket and I might be living at my parents' house. Everything's changed. Nikki has purpose. It feels like I'm a member of society now. He's capable of making it on his own. Once you get inside and you see what's really happening there, you immediately want to be a part of it. It's the dream factory, you know, the, the movie business. And, and if you can connect people with their dreams, then the magic happens. At Exceptional Minds, we like to say that we are changing lives one frame at a time. Hello, fellow activists. Last week, we talked about the first step to empowerment, accept and embrace this challenge. 
Sometimes you have people that support you in your denial. Maybe it's your husband, maybe it's your mother. When I expressed my concern to my pediatrician about Wyatt losing language around the age of two, his response, maybe he's a late talker, he's a boy. Let's wait and see. But what about the temper tantrums? What about the fact that he put his head through the kitchen window? What about the bite marks and scratches all over my arms and chest? He said he's probably just frustrated that he can't express himself. Let's wait and see. But autism doesn't afford us that luxury. Of course, I was relieved of my pediatrician's reassurances, but I should have gone with my gut. Because if I had, I could have gotten a diagnosis two years earlier and I lost two valuable years that could have been spent on early intervention. And finally, when Wyatt was diagnosed, he was misdiagnosed. But of course, part of that was my problem too. I lied in a lot of those parent questionnaires so things looked better. I can't turn back the hands of time, but I can recommend that you face this challenge head on. Denial prevents us from walking a path we eventually will have to walk anyway. The sooner you face the truth, the sooner you can help your child. Until next time, take care of yourself and keep the faith. You and I were just talking how much we love rice. Exactly. And what we're trying to do with our kids is to Eat. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Eat correct. Less rice. So literally, this is like what I would order at Benihana's or, mm -hmm. or any, you know, Japanese or Chinese food restaurant while you're at P.F. Chang's, and, and we're going to do it all with cauliflower. So well, let's go ahead and get started. Let's go. So what we want to do is throw this all into the food processor here, and we're going to get this to the consistency of little rice pellets, if you will. So, and I'll throw some on the floor for the ro the gods if you need the floor uh, cauliflower. And that's good. I think that's enough. Okay. So we'll go ahead and pulse this on. This almost looks like the Parmesan cheese yeah. that we were making earlier um, with the pesto. Uh, but I love this. It's definitely got the consistency. Mm -hmm. It looks a little bit like rice. So Amy, talk to me, this recipe with stir-fried rice, mm -hmm. we want to use a soy sauce, but why no soy? So with a lot of our kids, where we know they have issues with gluten and casein, soy is very similar in the way it's molecularly made up. So that with the gluten and casein, they break down the peptides right. that the body doesn't know how to process. Same thing happens with soy. So in this case, we really would, would caution not to do soy sauce for a recipe. So coconut aminos oh, I love is a great stuff. substitute. And so we've got our cauliflower ready to go, our peas and carrots, mm -hmm. green onion, salt and pepper, eggs, sesame oil. Now we're going to head over to the stove. First part is to take our onions. And if you don't like green onions, this is great with sweet onions or even yellow onions chopped up. Then we're going to take our cup of uh, peas and carrots. And I always like to say we go together like peas and, and carrots. <laughs> so we'll get this all sauteed and into tender. egg. Well, um, if we can, we'll do a little salt and pepper to taste. Mm. So now what we're going to do is take our secret cauliflower mix, if you want to hand that to me. 
and we're going to throw this in and notice the consistency does look a lot like rice. We're going to take the secret sauce that we were talking about earlier, the coconut aminos. Just love this stuff. So um, it calls for a couple of tablespoons and as you all know I'm not a measurer and I, I may just put a little more in because I love this stuff. <laughs> Cheers. Oh my gosh. You would never know this is not rice. No. No, we're hiding from our children all those carbs, and we're actually eating vegetables. <laughs> Go figure. Hey, thanks for joining us again. Thank you, Autism Live, and uh, we love seeing you here. We're all about healthy eating for our kids, and we appreciate you. If you have questions for Autism Live, hit autismlive at gmail.com. If you have questions for me and want to convert more recipes with me and Amy, that would be great. We could do that again. Um, you can email me at lisa at tacanow, T-A-C-A-N-O-W dot O-R-G. And we'll see you at the next What's Up? This cooking video is brought to you by WellAmy.com. Amy, a certified nutritionist and holistic health practitioner, is an expert on autism and special diets. Find ingredients and other GFCF-approved foods and recipes at WellAmy.com. Parent to parent, one of the most frightening things there is is when your child wanders away or elopes. This is when they leave an area without permission. And we know science has shown that over 50% of children on the autism spectrum will engage in this kind of behavior. But we don't have to just accept it as fact. There are things that we can do to teach our children how to appropriately ask when they want to go someplace. But before we can teach, we have to know why they're doing it. Are they wandering away to go to something or are they wandering away to escape something? Really important that we know that. And once we do know that, then we can put in place these really effective teaching strategies. I want to remind you though that if your child is engaging in this kind of behavior, it's really important to work with an expert. Get professional help. They'll be able to effectively figure out why your child is doing it and put an intervention in place that's effective. And when you stop and think about it, there's nothing more important than keeping our children safe. You might be asking yourself, a VIP, what on earth is that? You say howdy, we say hi. Let's get loud, let's get wild. Let's get, let's get, 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 let's get wild. Hi there, I'm Lisa Ackerman. Welcome to the show. So the goal of today, we're going to make meatballs. Let's get started. So again, I'm going to take roughly a pound of my ground organic turkey and I'm going to add in the secret vegetable. So if your kid doesn't like vegetables, don't cook in front of them, okay? Have them watch a movie or something. But you definitely want to make sure they're not watching because then they won't eat it. So, and here we go with the egg and our breadcrumbs. I'm just adding salt and pepper to taste. If you think about kids' shapes and sizes, you wanna think small, small shapes, small hands. So your oven should be preheating at about 400 degrees. We're gonna kick into the oven here and look at our meatballs. I did flip them halfway through the 20 odd minute. So we'll put, just like Julia Childs, there's our finished product right there. These are good. Cooking is easy. You don't have to be afraid of it. 
but we want to hear from you. If you can let us know what recipes are important to you, maybe convert a recipe from a traditional flour or gluten-based to a, a gluten-free or an allergy-free, we're here to help. So you get to us, you can email us at autismlive at gmail.com. You can reach out on Facebook at facebook.com slash autismlive or reach out at Taka Now. So I know you're having a great day. I had a lot of fun cooking with you in the kitchen, but I'll tell you before we end, I gotta have more meatballs. Have a great day. Welcome back to Autism Live. We're really proud um, to have Alex Plank with us on the phone. Alex has been a semi-regular on the show since the beginning. Um, and he, we consider him a friend of the show. And he's joining us via Skype right now. Hi, Alex. How are you today? Hello. Hey. How's it going? Good. And how about you? Pretty good. Uh, I'm excited that we can still get oh, you. you can see me. Yes, we can absolutely see you. I'm excited that we can still get you on the show, even though you're a big star now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, for people who don't know, who haven't DVR'd and haven't watched it yet, you were um, featured on The Good Doctor, their episode, not this most recent one, but a week ago Monday. And it was a very exciting time for a lot of us because we love that show and we love what that show has done for the community. And to see you um, in a very big role, I must say, uh, was a very fun thing to do. So, Alex, I want to know from you, what was this process like? First of all, uh, what was the audition like to be on The Good Doctor? Well, you know, just a sort of a standard audition. I, you know, got the um, scenes that I was supposed to audition for, for which um, I was supposed to audition, and I got uh, a time that I was supposed to audition. Did you have to go through a callback um, process? Did you have to go in front of producers? Was it a thing that you had to be seen, like, multiple times, or was it just once? Well, you know, I, I actually got the audition notice um, the uh, week before, uh, I think either on, I think on Friday, and I noticed that it was the audition was like five minutes before I had to fly to Washington D.C. <laughs> it's always that way, right? So when it rains, um, so I, I told my agent I was like, um, "Hey, can you please move this to uh, either a day before or like at least like earlier in the morning." Because, like, I can't really get from LAX. I can't get from some from an audition in, in the Valley to LAX and, and be on the plane and, and go through security and be on the plane in five minutes. Right. And I'm sure. Especially if I have an audition. Right. <laughs> and I'm sure your agent was like, oh, we got to figure this out because we want you to be seen. Well, they're by the like, yeah, sure, we'll change the time. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah. uh, so, but then, so you did the audition and you made it on the plane? To get out to, to yeah, Washington? Yeah, I did. The, and, then, uh, and then when I was in D.C. Uh, the next week, I got uh, uh, them asking uh, to make sure I was still available. Um, and I said yes. And then, but no, it was just one audition. I auditioned on, I think, Tuesday or Monday before. Yeah, Monday, I think. Um, and then I flew out on Tuesday. So the first but day... I was, First they said, is he still available? So you knew you were still in the running, but when did you hear that you'd actually booked it? Um, the next day, um, so like a week later, about a little over a week later. 
Wow, no, um, no stress. So. I mean, this is unheard of. And so then, how then? But you couldn't tell anybody, right? Well, I mean, I could tell my friends and stuff. I just couldn't like publicly talk about it. I, you know. Yeah. It's not like when you. I mean, I, I could, I, I, you know, I was like, uh, it's like, hey, mom, because I, I mean, obviously, if, 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 uh, um, but I, could, yeah, I couldn't really tell anyone, or and the only people I could tell was sort of people that were close to me, obviously, because we're, you know, it's not like you can. You were gonna disappear. You're not supposed to, you know. I don't want my parents calling uh, the police and you know reporting me as missing or right. something. I mean, not that they would do that because I mean they do live in Virginia and I live in Los Angeles, so. But you don't want to make people. They work. were just. Well, yeah. Right. So then, how long was it before you had to get on the plane to Vancouver to film? How much time was in between those two times? Well, um, so I was in D.C. as you know, and yeah. so I was. So they were we're gonna fly. So they were like, oh, well, we need to fly you on uh, Monday, I think, or Tuesday. Well, they wanted to, they were originally going to do Tuesday, but they were like, can we do it Monday because, you know, you're flying, you're going to be flying from D.C. I was like, well, the only thing is that I was planning on going down to visit my parents, so I don't really have a hotel booked for in D.C. <laughs> from... Uh, ah, so it sort of uh, upset your whole time. Apple cart. So, so I ended up flying there, I think, on Sunday, this is all very boring. I, I don't know how I, interesting But you know what? It isn't audience. boring because those of us who don't leave this life, we're living vicariously through you. So oh, okay. uh, so you had to end up flying from D.C. up to Vancouver to shoot. Um, right. I, you know, I, I don't know. This is big well, time so I, stuff. And then, you know, they, they, and then I, you know, it was one of those things where it was like, well, I, then I had to fly. So they, so they were like, well, you know, we'll just, so that's just easier. Okay, sure. We'll fly on Sunday since, you know, Either way, you know, it's going to cost money to either get a hotel or, you know, to the inner um, in here or in Vancouver. So, you know what I mean? Okay, so now so let's fast forward to you're up in Vancouver and, and you've got the script and you're able to see the, you know, what the through line of your story is. Why? Yeah. You'd seen a little bit of it, so you kind of knew what it was about well, in the audition. Yeah, yeah. They ha Actually, surprisingly, the audition was like... I think like four. It was, it was like a, it was like seven pages. That's a um, lot. It was like a, a few. It was quite a few scenes. I don't know if it was four or three or four or five. I forget. But uh, um, so I, so when I got in there, they're like, uh, um, which scenes are you reading? And I'm like, well, you know. What do you mean? Which scenes? I have all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh well, we gave. Um, the people, the oh well, that's great. Well, we just we gave people the option to only prepare a few, but you were prepared um, if for they all couldn't of them. handle all of them. So I did, but I did all of them, and there then and then I did the first one. And they're like, all right, time for the next. Or they're like, are you ready for the next scene? And I and I looked at her. I'm like, there's more. So, <laughs> and then they they were like seriously like it looked like that you know I crushed their hopes and dreams. But then I was like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and then, and then read the next one. Okay. Um, so, but when you, here's the thing that I really want to know. So you go up to Vancouver and for people who haven't seen it and Trayvon, do we, are we going to be able to show a clip here that we got from ABC television? I think he's looking. Hello? Okay. Uh, I, I'm guessing we've had a little, we got a little technical difficulty with that, but so, um, check your email, Trayvon. Uh, I, cause I sent you one, but, um, so, uh, 
you got you got up there, and for people who haven't seen it, there is a relationship that you're in with a roommate, uh, and we don't want to give away everything, but it's a very sweet relationship that through the course of the episode gets better defined. And you had to work very closely with this young woman that I'm guessing you had never met before in your life. Um, yeah, was, yeah. But, you know, on screen, you guys have so much rapport, and it was a very believable acting job from the two of you that we all believed that you guys had known each other forever. Um, is that just easy for you as an actor, or do you feel that there was, like, some great chemistry between the two of you? Well, yeah, I think that having good chemistry obviously always helps. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you're it's sort of your job to play the part. Um, but, yeah, I think that they, you know, they picked a really good, uh, uh, they, they cast it really well. I think, um, obviously, people really liked it. Um, so I, I think, uh, and I also think that the fact that, you know, both actors were uh, are on the spectrum, um, that's uh, really important, you know? So it's two characters who are on the autism spectrum played by two actors who are on the autism spectrum. Right. But here's the thing that's always fascinating to me, Alex, is that I watched you, I know you, I, I go to a lot of different uh, social functions that you're at, and we've gone to social functions together, and I feel like you're a friend and that I know you fairly well. And yet I'm watching this character this who was not you. So you're an actor with autism playing an actor on the autism spectrum. Well, it's with the a, character. Uh, I'm not playing myself Exactly. But what is um, that like for you to portray a different version of autism? Well, it's. I, I don't think it's really a different version of autism so much as just a different person. There you know, go. I mean, I, 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 I think, you know, people like to think, oh, they, they sort of hear autism and then they're like, oh, well, everything is, is, is somehow a level of that or uh, something of that. But, you know, there's this guy's, uh, someone that this guy cares about, his roommate, um, who he's very close to in, in different ways, uh, you know, she's a, she has brain. She has to like have brain surgery. Um, I mean, it's a, I've never been in that situation specifically, but and you've certainly never seen me in a situation that serious. So exactly. I mean, I don't think you, you know. So you know, I, I just sort of thought about you know how someone who um, does have difficulties in these settings um, and who does. Uh, really care about this person and who really basically you know does everything with her um how he would respond given this situation so i, I don't think it's like a, a different level of autism per se but more of just like a, a character in a specific situation I and love i that. use obviously use parts of myself clearly that you know i i and and sort of think of experiences that i've had that that sort of help me connect with that and you were wonderful. It was it, it was truly wonderful. Um, and the relationship between the two of you was truly wonderful. The storyline was wonderful. Have what's been the feedback that you've gotten from people? Have we all just been? I know everybody that I I've talked. My husband especially wanted me to tell you that he thought you did a great job. Thank you. Um, is, is that pretty much yeah, been the I response? Mean, yeah, I, I think people really liked it. Uh, I was. I was actually sort of blown away by the response. It was um, amazing. I was got, I was looking for my glasses. I wanted to show you that I wear in the show. They're specially tinted glasses. I Did they let you take them home? Yeah, 
Oh, yeah. Well, that's interesting. You don't always get your props. Um, so. Well, I mean, I asked, I asked if, if I could take them uh, because, like, I mean, I was like, well, you know, who else is going to wear these? Were they prescription for you? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that. Uh, okay. Um, well, that I mean, I guess that maybe they'll have another character in the future that has the exact same prescription as I me doubt and wants that. the exact I, same I thought they were just they props. I thought they were just something, but they had them made to your eye prescription? Yeah, they actually had a special custom coating, um, wow. basically a, a, a transition from the top. Well, it's not really a transition, more of like a progressively darker. So at the bottom of the glasses, uh, here, hold on. Uh, can you take me off the screen? I'm going to go find them. Yes, put it back um, on me, Trayvon. Trayvon, wait one yeah. second, Alex. Wait until we, Trayvon, yeah, there we go. Alex is going to go find his glasses. Uh, while we do that, I want to remind everybody that Alex is the creator of the website, the uh, wrongplanet.net. So you can go to www.wrongplanet.net. It's an amazing website. Um, one of the highest rated websites having to do with autism. He created that website when he was just 17 years old because he wasn't finding a place where other people like him were talking about the things that he wanted to talk about. There are some great resources on that website, including, um, I loved that... You can bring me back. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. I was just talking about Wrong Planet and how much I love that some of the stuff that you do there. Oh, there's your glasses. So these are the glasses. Uh-huh. And uh, that you wear, because your character has some pretty intense light sensitivity. Um, right. So I don't know if you noticed, but... Uh... Uh, they're brighter on the bottom. So yeah. if I go like this, you can see more of my eyes. Yeah, which made it which so that Which is cool because if there's them. overhead lights, that's sort of actually... I've actually been wearing them quite a bit. And do you find that you useful. like them? Yeah, because it's like... I mean, even... Because you, you can see fine. It's not like they're that very dark, but like they do sort of take quite a bit of the overhead light glare that you would get. And, they, and the prop team worked with uh, an optician who has made glasses like these before for people on the spectrum with light sensitivities. So what I so found really ironic about this, Alex... Trying hard to... What? What I found ironic about this, about your character having a light sensitivity, is that I... Every time you've been on the show before and any time I'm with some... With you some... Not every time, but most of the time, you have a little bit of a... In, you like flashlights, yes? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I brought Bright my ones. flashlights on the set. <laughs> of Here's course cool you did. One. Because you love to flash. I always have one in, in reach. I, I have so many. I, I mean, I... I, I, w I would say that there, you have a little bit of a... I wouldn't say a perseveration, but you have uh, a big interest in flashlights, and you love flashlights, and you... The brighter, the better. And I have been places with you where I have said, right, Alex... But I'm not shining those at my eyes. I know, but sometimes you're shining in places where my eyes, I have had to say to you on a couple right, of occasions, Alex, it's, you're killing me. And you're like, really? Well, that bothers you? Um, so, I never shine this flashlight in your face. All right, let's, let, we'll keep that I, the story. I've never, no, and if I did, it was like... It, By accident, it maybe? Been an accident. Yes. I don't um, think I have even on accident, to be honest with you. I think okay. you just... All right. You're Maybe, my guest. I, I defer to you. I probably did, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I can think of, I can tell you exactly where we were, but let's let's defer to you. But in any case, I found it ironic that, and but I remember the conversation, too, because you were saying to me, that bothers you? And I was like, oh, Alex, my eyes can't take it at all. And, and you were like, really? 
Uh, and then to see you portray somebody who has a light sensitivity was I was noise canceling headphones on the audition. That was another thing. And the director loved them so much that he was like, apparently couldn't stop talking about them. And now uh, and, uh, Bose and should want to have you as a, uh, as a spokesperson now. Uh, I guess that's true, but it, I mean, they, they, you couldn't see the logos. I was wearing them sort of on my neck like this, uh -huh. you know. And, and you look very fashionable in your glasses and uh, yeah. thing. So what do you think is next for you, Alex? Well, you know, I just, uh, in terms of what? I mean, I have a lot of things going on. I, I'm working on, you know, projects uh, that I'm interested in. Are you going to continue to audition? Are you available for other acting roles? Sure, yeah. I mean, I've auditioned on, for other things. Well, I think um, we all look forward to seeing more of what you're doing. You proved yourself to be a not just a proficient actor, but a very good actor um, at a very high level on a subject matter that was uh, pretty much in depth because you were having to deal with anxiety and with... Uh, what are you showing us now? What is that? That's the calculator watch that, that they my character... Well, they sent you home with they... all of the props. What's up with well, that? Well, no, I, they, I wanted to get, well, the props maybe, but there were other props, I think. Well. There's, oh, yeah, no, that's true, because there was green jello, and I got to keep that, too. <laughs> Although, I don't know where that went. <laughs> this is how Alex likes to joke with me. Oh, I don't, I don't check, I don't check my bags when I travel, because I like to keep everything on me. Um, so I guess I couldn't bring it back, so I think I gave it to the other actress, Vera, to take with her. I don't know, if, but... But I think she couldn't eat it because I don't know if Jello. Uh, she's vegan. And I don't know if Jello's vegan. Depends. Depends on who made it. Uh, now, do you keep in touch with her? Have you guys continued to be friends after the filming? Yeah, yeah. We uh, we've gone hiking a bit, and um, yeah, she's a cool cool person, a good actress, I would say for Absolutely, sure. Absolutely, um, a very good actress. And yeah. and Alex, you know, you're you're very much um, a well known person in the autism community and a spokesperson sometimes in the autism community. You speak all over the world. Um, has sure. the reaction from the autism community been what you had hoped for? Well, you know, I, I, I think people really liked it who saw it so yeah. far. Um, I think at this point maybe, you know, maybe if probably around like 15, about 15 million people have seen it. So I would think that like, you know, a lot of people have seen it. Um, we want to least. encourage people... Oh to watch it. Um, if you haven't seen it already, you can see it on demand right now. Um, it's, it's also on abc.com for free if you, you watch it now. They, they wait, you have to wait like a week mm -hmm. um, and then they only, and then you can only watch the episode for like a week or two. Um, so it should be available I think to watch. I think they have the last, the most recent two episodes, well, the like most recent episodes you have to wait a week to watch but then the two after that are available for like two weeks i think i don't know so well yeah. we want to congratulate you we're so excited for you and all the things that we i believe that this is going to lead to i think that the more people who i'm just going to be honest alex i think there was fear in the past that um you know on a set it's like things move so slow but then they speed up and 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 i yeah. think there was some fear it's, it's... about whether an actor on the autism spectrum could handle that and i think that you and others have proved that that's ridiculous. Well, it's funny because I actually, I mean, uh, I mean, people might not realize this, but I worked on the bridge on FX right. for you know every day on set. So I was, I was actually probably 
Um, in terms of knowing when things are happening or where to be, I was probably as good as you know a lot of the other actors that were yeah. series regulars on the show. I, I mean, they, I mean, they, they really were. The, the what I found interesting is the director and the producers kept sort of commenting on how crazy it was. It seems like I've been doing this for years or something, and yeah. that like I take direction really well and like. Uh, this is going to be fantastic. And they were really excited. I think they, they I think this turned out, um, according to them, this is, you know, this turned out significantly better than they could have ever hoped for. Well, um, I, I don't know what they were expecting, um, but. Uh, but there, there you are making inroads. And I, and I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing for you. I think it's amazing for the autism community. I think it's amazing for the world to see that. We are totally out of time, Alex, and I apologize. Um, but I want to thank you and keep us posted on what's happening. So we, we, we want to follow everything that you're doing. Okay. Well, right. yeah, thanks for having me. Thank um, you. it was great. We'll talk um, soon. And, uh, we'll talk soon. Bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. We are unfortunately out of time altogether. I have to cut the show, uh, short by just a couple of minutes today because I've got to run and do something that's fairly important. But I wanted to take a second and just say thank you so much for being with us and sticking with us and, and being a part of our journey. Um, I'm going to be um, next week on Monday and Tuesday up in the Sacramento area visiting some of the card offices. But we're going to be back here on Wednesday morning to, to do live shows on Wednesday and Thursday. And so until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.